Good morning, sir, or afternoon for you. Good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. We appreciate you very, very, very much. I know you were in the middle of your studies. So, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, I guess we'd like to introduce you first. Uh, you are Iman. Jory Kareem, did I say that correct? That is correct. Okay, okay. Iman, yes, yes. So, um, so basically, um, we're just going to have you here and you can tell us a little bit. First off, I'd like to know, what does Iman mean? What is an Iman? Um, but let, me, let me explain that Iman is who I am in the Muslim community. It, it, uh, it means that I am a leader in the Islamic community, that I am uh, scholarly in Islam, that I can deliver what you would call a sermon, but we call it a khutbah on Fridays, that I preside over some community affairs. Um, and um, basically, that's it in and of itself. Now, Jory Kareem is my name. They put Imam in front of that because that's what everybody calls me, Imam, Imam Jory Kareem. Jory is the name that my mother gave me, and it means okay. one lifted, one lifted by God. Kareem means honorable, noble, bountiful, and kind. It's an Arabic name. And Arabic names are impregnated with meaning. So you can say one word in Arabic and it'll blow up to four or five words in English. Wow. Wow. That's knowledge. What does Imani mean? In I, Imani means uh, one of faith. It's usually... Uh, the, the feminine gender is Imani. One of oh three. my goodness. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. And then, so now what's the difference between um, the nation and Orthodox? Because I hear and, you know, you see so many different. So what's your impression or can you elaborate a little bit? Well, I really can elaborate, uh, I think, more accurately because I've been in what's called the Nation of Islam, and I am now in Orthodox Islam. The the difference that is is noted more distinctly is theological, and in the Nation of Islam, for instance they will say that God came in the person of a man, in the person of a man by the name of Farad, Farad. And so as we go into Orthodox Islam, your concept of Allah, which uh, translates to God, Allah, Allah, is that Allah is infinite. There's no comparison to that one. 
In other mm-hmm. words, it cannot be a man, it can't be a tree, it can't be anything except what it is. And nothing can be compared mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So theologically, there is a difference, even in the word itself. In, in English, you have uh, the nominative degree, like good, you have the comparative degree, better, and then you have the superlative degree, which is best. In Arabic, mm-hmm. you have what we call the infinitive degree, meaning that Allah is as high as you can go. Anything that's comparative, that's it. And so if you know anything yeah. about infinity, there's no beginning, there's no end to it. So you can't put anything around it. So you couldn't put a body around God. You couldn't hmm. put a body around because <laughs> it just it's just enclosable. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you know, without going into a long discussion, that's the basic uh, distinction between the nation hmm. and and Sunni Islam. And so as it, I call it the evolutionary process. Now I do not denigrate anybody that's in the nation of Islam because to me it's like the caterpillar and the butterfly. The butterfly hmm. used to be a caterpillar and now that it's evolved into a butterfly, what would it look like looking back down and saying, look at that old creepy caterpillar right there because that's where it came from. So I look at it as an evolutionary process, and they are my brothers. Missionary. Uh, you know what? I love how you broke that down. Because at the end of the day, it's all love. And first off, I have to say that off top, and, and I respect that. And But I, I mean, <laughs> a lot, but there's no bigger, you know, it's the best. And yeah, so I don't know. I'm just, oh, that was, that was wonderful. So, okay, because I have seen some of the gentlemen, you know, here in Vegas where I had never seen this before, where they be out in the street collecting um, and then they're also selling pies and different things, you know, um, is that one particular um, out of those that I see out? Is that nation or is that what's about? That's that's the nation of Islam. Usually with the bow ties and, and suits on. Yes, yes. Yeah, those the nation of NOI, and uh, okay. you know, it, it's that's what they do to um, they, we call it fishing to get people of what's going on. And the beautiful thing about the nation of Islam that that I really love is that they had an ap- economic aspect to what they were doing. And when I was in the nation, we were getting money together for schools, for um, trying to get farms, hospitals, um, stores. You know, we, we, we got those type of things uh, in, in essence and they were developed. So that economic, because one of the things that I know that I've learned in my short period on this earth, I'm 70 years old, and is that you won't get invited to the table of civilization if you don't have any economic soundness. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at when you when you look around you, you look at the other people coming to this country as immigrants, maybe the, the whoever they were. You know, you look at Koreans and Vietnamese and Arabs and, and you look around you and maybe in your own community they, they own stuff. 
They got gas Period. station and this, mm-hmm. that, and they got it. And so we, and talking about us of African-American or Afro-Asiatic descent, we resource from people outside of our community. You know, we spend <laughs> our money with people that don't look like us. And, 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 and they walk away with 100% of their own earnings and 98% of ours. And so mm-hmm. we, we give our power away. So one of the things that the nation, uh, and I loved about them, is they focus on doing for self. Doing mm-hmm. for self. And it's a beautiful thing to, to incorporate if you want to be recognized as an entity. Mm-hmm. That's a bit, yeah, you are correct. Because money talks. At the end of the day, you can be as spiritual and religious as you want, but they're not, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we could be so heavenly minded or can't function on earth. And so, yes, self-sufficiency is a must. So, hmm, okay, okay. So leadership, cleanliness, purification. I know those were a few different words that uh, stood out when we conversation. Um, So as far as leadership, you are a leader. Well, I, I, I think that, and, and it's not so much that I choose to be, I think that um, it's, it's kind of like who I am ever since I was a child, but I've also been a good follower too. Because yes. in following leadership, I learned how to be a leader. And mm-hmm. I think it's sort of like some, it's, it's like this, if I can put it in this narrative. You know anything about music? You heard of Stevie Wonder? Yeah. Now, I know for a fact that Stevie Wonder never went to Juilliard or any of those uh, academic schools of musicology. You know, he has what we call a gift. You know, any of the Temptations, any of those those singers and entertain. Ray Charles never went to those schools, and so it's a gift. Now, some people have talents that they develop. They go to school and they develop them more and they get, and some people are just gifted. They have it. It's a given. And I think that some leaders are gifted. For instance, Malcolm X or Malik Al-Shabazz never went to college at all, went to the eighth grade. But what a gifted an orator, you know, for instance. And so now you have another one who is uh, Martin Luther King. He went to college, and I think he was very talented at what he was, and he, he, he was also gifted. So I think that leadership sometimes is a gift. With Prophet Muhammad, that one who was given the Quran, he couldn't read or write. Mm. I don't one man in this world who changed as many people as he did. Hmm. So I think that you know when you look at when you look at leadership, uh, the ones that I think have had the greatest impact are the ones who have been gifted with it. And I was looking today at a comparison between. um, Well, let me say this first before as a prelude. I think because my first occupation was. That's a form of leadership. Your first uh, occupation was what? What was that? We got disconnected. A, a, a teacher. Oh, yes. Okay. So I graduated okay. from John Hopkins University 
and educational psychology. So here's what I know, that of the four modes of, of, of learning, you know, is reading, writing, talking, and listening. Mm. But the most important one of the four is listening. Now, if I was an academic in the academic arena and someone said, um, Jory, uh, define listening for me. I would say listening is selected openness to impending sensory phenomena. Now, that's academic jargon. But what I have to do is simplify that so I'm not talking down to the scholar or the layman. It simply means that you open up and let the information in and you focus on what's coming in and filter out any other distractions. The better you can do that, the better you can learn. The better listener you are, the better reader, writer, and talker you are. Listening is responsible for 63% of your learning. So it behooves us to learn how to listen. Most of the time people say, oh, he or she is such an articulate, she is so articulate. And they're talking about the way you verbalize or the way you construct sentences. But the only way you learn to do that is because you listen. You True. have to be a good listener to be a good talker. And so it's an art. Mm -hmm. Listening is not just a skill, it's an art. So if you listen well, you can learn well. And if you really become an articulate listener, now here's the hit. Not only do you hear what people say, but you hear what they don't say. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you really do. <laughs> you know, you hear what they don't say. I, heard, I didn't hear you say anything about that, but you are talking mm -hmm. about this. And I'm also a clinician, so I'm into uh, helping people uh, remediate themselves from the use of um, anything that contaminates them, like substance abuse. And, but I go into the heart of the matter. It's not what you're using. It's mm -hmm. why do you use it? Why? Period. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell me I use crack and coke and this and that and all the liquor you drank. Okay, great. Okay, good. Now let's get into why. Yes. Why are we here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are we here? What is your purpose? Yeah. So that that's where I, I met with, with that. But as far as leadership is concerned, which was the first um, uh, item, is that you, when you're leading people, you have to be an example of what it is that you're talking about, what you're espousing. Yes. You, you, you can't give up a, yes. I call it a diametric <laughs> message where, you know, I'm telling my children, don't smoke cigarettes. It's not good for you while I'm puffing. You know, that, it doesn't work like that. So one of the things that you want to exemplify is a purification of not only the information because information can be contaminated too. Ooh, <laughs> wait a minute! <laughs> contaminated information from an yeah, unqualified call, person. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and we call it misinformation. Sometimes mm. it's done deliberately, and then sometimes it's it's passed down inadvertently. You just don't know it's information. 
And you have people who don't know that they don't know. They just don't know. Mm, mm, mm. And so you have people who are deliberately keeping people ignorant because it keeps them in power. Correct. So what we have to what we have to develop is the wisdom to know the difference. Hmm. Hmm. Stay and ready. Stay woke. And, and, and here's here's a defense mechanism. Here's a way you can defend yourself by knowing the truth, eliminating mm-hmm. all other possibilities. Because once you know the truth, if you put thirteen cookies in a jar and you came in the room and you saw your child and there were crumbs around his mouth and there was 12 cookies in the jar. Hmm. What what can he say? Did, did you eat the cookie? No, I didn't eat. All the evidence is there. You know that he's not telling the truth because you know mm-hmm. the truth. But mm-hmm. if you never knew how many cookies was in the jar, you know, you, maybe he didn't go in that cookie jar. Maybe he got the cookie from somewhere else. But if you know the truth, is my point, you can't be lied to. If you don't know the truth, somebody can tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's very important that we we study the truth. Now, I I don't think that it's not it hasn't been my experience that people who want to keep themselves in a certain position of power have a history of telling lies. They have a history of doing whatever it takes for them to maintain that power. Now, By any means system. necessary. Yeah, systematically now. It's been my experience. I'm not yeah. an integrationist. I want to I want to announce that I, I think that integration is an ideal and I'm a realist. And and I think that you know, I remember during the, the, the um, social upheaval in this country during the 60s, and people were trying to go into segregated places. And I'm seeing people get uh, bit by dogs and holes down and, mm. and bombed in churches and stuff. And I'm saying to myself, why do I want to go on the white coffee pot and sit and eat in there and they were spitting in my face and calling me the n-word you can't come in here then some legislation comes down from a higher place and now it's illegal to keep me from coming in there so my thinking is why would i think that the same people who spit in my face wouldn't spit in my food i don't want to go in there that's okay I'd rather go to Miss Sally's little restaurant. She's black. She puts her heart in those beans and, and, and bean soup. I love her. I don't have to worry about her mistreating me in any form or fashion. But the problem is now that we can go into the white coffee pot, Miss Susie can't operate anymore because we go over there and spend our money with them. And I think that's a problem that I see. That, that sometimes we don't understand that there's a default clause in those things that we buy into. And we abandon our own economic growth by participating in something that really doesn't remove the lack of love, but it also removes the money 
that we would distribute amongst ourselves. So I've never been into that. Now, I believe that you can put people together and if there is true love, then it'll work. But if it's not, I don't see it working. But love definitely conquers it all, you know. Absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's a definite and when I heard you say the thing about the spit and I'm like, wow, that I never, I never saw it in that where I've never seen it <laughs> that way. So that was enlightening, you know, and, and so my thing is, I guess just for me professionally on and with shark management, you know, is I want to be a contributor to um, the little businesses as well. So I think um, uh, that's definitely an interest of mine to continue to support the Aunt Sally's. You know what I mean? Even if I'm not eating there, maybe a monthly just blessing, you know, you know, so that's just one of shark management goals. So, okay. Now, cleanliness and purification. Now, I I can speak one thing on cleanliness that I have been saying with some of the young women that I have uh, uh, been around. Uh, a lot of the young women these days into the, you know, nails and lip gloss and their hair and all that. And um, one thing I've been telling them is, yeah, that's extra. <laughs> it starts with soap, deodorant, brushing your teeth, lotion. You know, um, that stuff first and then the nails and the lashes and all of that. So as a female, um, (laughs) cleanliness is definitely uh, very important. I don't know if that's what um, that your studies were in that arena or were you talking mentally in the head? with just being clean thoughts or are you just talking about a whole clean lifestyle? Well, when, when I teach, I try to teach pervasively. And by that, I mean that, of course, we're going to talk about hygiene. But I think one of the things that we get corralled into is thinking that hygiene just pertains to a physiological sense or the physical body. But we have something, we're made out of more than that. We got to get clean money. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to hustle. You know what I mean? I, I, I know how to hustle very well. I, I, I was born in the life, but I know how to work and get uh, legitimate money. So there's a clean means of obtaining money. There's a clean way to use your eyes. I can use my eyes very lusty and turn around, breaking my neck, looking at every woman that comes by, or I can lower my gaze. So cleanliness is something that's pervasive, not just for physical hygiene, which is absolutely important. It's a must. As a matter of fact, spiritually speaking, cleanliness is a prerequisite to godliness. So we have to make ablution before we pray. You know, we have to cleanse our bodies before we even turn to the east and make salah, as we call it in, in um, Islam. So yeah. cleanliness and, and the cleanliness of habit, a cleanliness of speech. You know, I was around a woman one time and she was in a meeting and she used the word MF. I counted them 45 times and expressing <laughs> myself. Now, I'm quite sure she had took a shower 
and she had on clean fingernails or all of that. But I'm looking at her language. It was mm-hmm. filthy. So when I look at cleanliness, I look at it uh, more pervasively than that. And sometimes, again, our knowledge has to be clean because it too can mm-hmm. be contaminated. People mm-hmm. can think that wrong is right because they mm. have bought into it. And so sometimes we have to grab that stuff and cleanse it and say, this now is pure. Purification is very important. We have to purify ourselves of concepts. Some concepts have been filtered in with some truth and some falsehood. That's, hmm. not, that's, not, that's not pure truth. It's contaminated. There's some mm-hmm. truth in it, but there's some lies in it too. So we have to get the lies out so we can get the pure truth. So when we get into purification, we look at it on a very pervasive. Uh, when I look at, uh, as a matter of fact, my sister and I had this conversation. She's a professor. Uh, and, and I was saying, Flavia, you remember one time when women wouldn't even come outside and smoke. You know, if, you, oh. if a woman smokes, she kind of smoked in the house. You know, mm. and the skirt and the skirts was longer. You know, and I remember the hot pants and all that stuff came up. But now, now, <laughs> I am seeing it like I never saw it before. And I'm saying, where is this coming from? There has to be a contamination of morals. Somebody has bought into wrong like it's right, and it's being it's socially acceptable when it's not spiritually correct. So I'm a spiritual Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm so sorry, hold on. Wait, wait, you said, okay, socially acceptable, but not, what was that? Spiritually spiritually correct. Yes, okay. Okay. You see, so we we buy into things that's out there because someone else creates your values for you. If you knew your true worth and who you really are, like you used to say, where you came from, you're a queen of the universe. All women come from you. You're the first woman on this earth. You are the cream of all womanhood. You are the most dignified, the most beauty. You have that gene that all other genes come from. You have that gene. Everything black is not a color. It is the essence from which all color is derived. And now Mm. you... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, in, in knowing who you are, then you can understand how you should be dressed modestly and queenly. You don't want to show a man everything you got underneath your clothes and walking down the street and you think I'm attracted to you? I'm looking at how you think. Language is the dress of thought. If you look beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful, and then you start cursing like a cell, I'm going to say, wow. <laughs> yes. It took that took five points away from, from you know, right there. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at hygiene from a spiritual point of view, 
because if you don't have the true concept of what clean is, you can have on clean clothes on top of mm. a filthy mind. I'm gonna try to. You know what? Woo! That is so real. <sighs> mm, mm, mm. All right, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that's how I'm looking at purification. And everything in Islam is about purification. The the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, he said that of all the things I've been sent in this world to teach, at the heart of them all is good manners. The word in Arabic for good manners is adab. And so okay. adab, and it means the way you conduct yourself. The way you conduct yourself. So it's really elaborate. It, it, it tells you who to speak for. Like if I was sitting in the house, you sitting in your house, and I come in your house, I should speak. I should speak. You tell your children when they come in the house, did you speak to Mr. So-and-so? You speak when you come in because you're entering a place where people already are. Yes. So it's, that's it's respectful. That's respectful. That's respectful. You come in. And, if they are already there, you know. Right, you speak. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets very detailed in Arabic where in, in Islam. Who should speak first if one is going up the steps or coming down the steps? Ooh, and I the, like that. And Ooh. the answer Who is, is it? The one that's going up the steps because he's yes. going to a place where the person already has been. Yes. That's you see, wonderful. so it gets yeah. very elaborate. It tells you what to do with your hands, what you say before you eat, what you say before you have sex, what you say before you go into the mosque, and on and on and on and on. So if you understand those things and you can uh, express them in your character, then you become very attractive to people. So where is this information found? Is that in the Quran? It's from the Quran. It's two things that we use, the Quran and the Sunnah. The Sunnah means the established way that the Prophet did things. It's what he said, what he did, and what he consented to. In the Quran, it doesn't show you how to pray. The Prophet showed you how to pray. So Mm -hmm. the Quran, the the Prophet was the Quran walking and talking. Oh... That See the Quran. The, yeah, Quran was the revelation. The, revelation. The, the, the Prophet Muhammad was the prophet who lived the revelation. He lived it. So, so we like, like you say. Let me give you an example. Like Jesus, we believe is a prophet, not God. Is one of the beloved prophets of God, and he was uh, uh, given miracles. Like Moses was given miracles. Like all the prophets was given a miracle. The miracle that Muhammad was given was the Quran. Nobody has ever made anything like it. It's only one of them. You don't have 54 different ones. Not one letter is different in, in the Quran over 1400 years. And so the miracle is in the message and the message is in the miracle. And the so- miracle, The message and the message is in it. Okay, say that one more time. Children, the miracle is in the message and the message is in the miracle. Mm. So he is the messenger of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he is the last messenger that has been sent to um, 
mankind, to mankind, not just Arabs. That's another mm -hmm. mistake that people make. You know, that Jesus came, he said, I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So mm -hmm. does that include everybody, the Gentiles and everybody? Jesus didn't get married. So we can't say that he showed us how to be a husband. He didn't have children. So we can't say that he showed us how to have be a father. So that wasn't his mission. Hmm. That wasn't his mission. So other prophets have had other things that they showed us how to do because this was part of their prophethood. So the prophet had wives, he had children, he had, you know, he did things. So all of those things that he did and the way he did it is what we ascribe ourselves to do in that manner. And this makes up the Sunnah. And they call it the Sunni, but it's the yeah, Sunni Islam. But it's the, what the prophet did, what he said, what, he turned to the east, we turned to the east. You know? Yeah. That's oh, what yeah. The, whatever he did, we do. Amen. And so that's how you probably, you know, we do in, um, I mean, there's a lot more to it. We, we'd be talking until days went by before I could uh, detail all of, of Islam to you. But it's basically built on, and this is purification too, by the way. We, can, we purify the contamination of oneness. In other words, one can be a number. But I can take that number and fractionalize it. One mm -hmm. fourth is a part of one. I can mm -hmm. take one finger and cut it off. Now it's not a whole finger anymore. Mm -hmm. I can take one day and say, well, this is the third of the day. But when you get into absolute one, there is nothing that you can do with it. Okay. One, the absolute one. Let me give you an example. Like if God, G-O-D and you say G-O-D-S I've just changed that word from singular to plural mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. I say G-O-D-D-E-S-S -S, I've just changed it from masculine to feminine from God mm -hmm. to Goddess if mm -hmm. I transpose the letters which means turn it around backwards that same word, G-O-D, is now dog. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Ooh. That's English mm. for you. In Arabic, mm. in Arabic, when you say Allah, you can't do nothing with that. It's already mm. to the infinitive degree. There's female oh. God, there's no, you see what I'm saying? There's not more than one. Allah is already to the infinity. Allah. The only Inshallah. one. So, Inshallah. You can't name your dog Allah. You can't name you. Oh, Allah. No. One of his name and attributes. He's one in his dominion and sovereignty and the only deity worthy of worship. These three aspects, which which I could call them um, Asma Asifat, would be one in his name and attributes. Urububiya is one in his dominion and sovereignty. And Uluhiya Ibeda is the only object worthy of worship. These three aspects is what make up the bedrock of Islam, which we call Tawheed, the oneness of Allah. 
everything is built upon that. So now we've impurified. You know, we made sure that there's no contamination in the oneness. You can't contaminate. Mm. Anything mm-hmm. comes in to try to contaminate to say, I am a law too, and, and, and I'm a man. Nope, nope, that's not right. Can't do that. All right. So well, you know, protect- one, Allah, Allah, right? <laughs> Allah, Allah. Allah, Allah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just got excited because I had learned from uh, someone, inshallah and alhamdulillah. So I had learned the practice of facing east and doing the alhamdulillah 33 times. And I don't know, I had read that somewhere where it's supposed to be like a blessing or uh, it's like a rope, but it has been very helpful for me. So, do you know anything about the 33 times and saying that? We call it tasbih, dhikr Allah. It's Allahu Akbar, God is the greatest. Allahu Akbar, that means God is the greatest. Alhamdulillah means all praise is due to Allah. Alhamdulillah. All praise is due to Allah. And then you have la ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. And then Ooh. there is something you can say, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, glory Subhanallah. be to Allah. Now what you were saying, Inshallah, Inshallah, inshallah. Means, that means, let's say if you leaving out the house and you tell your husband or your family, say, I'm going to uh, the mall and I'll be back by in three hours. You always say, Inshallah, if it's the will of Allah. Because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen in any time period. Yeah. The definitely could come out, I'm on this phone, and all of a sudden you don't hear me no more. So we period. always, inshallah, everything is contingent upon the will of Allah, either his permissive will or his command. He allows mm. something to happen or he commands mm. it to happen. Either way, so, say, so the, what I was saying in Arabic is There is no movement except by the will of Allah. Hmm, and I know that to be true. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. I know, and and that's <laughs> one thing about like I'm so you know because I was introduced to this through uh, Mustaqim, so he had mm-hmm. uh, shared different things, and it was you know it was a real blessing just learning. Like I didn't understand it, but I respected it so much. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, I just picked up little different things. And I had another friend who had introduced me to um, you know some things, and you know I just it's just it's been it's been growth and you know i've been to the the mosque and i've seen the ladies and met the ladies Mm -hmm. and and being a woman just seeing the modesty is just beautiful and i carry that you know because it's not necessary to um you know have everything out there you know so i'm just ah i'm so grateful about um if you are in a relationship with god and i'm going to say allah because i i know how we can allah. Know god. if you're in a relationship with allah he has given you the information on how best to be in that relationship 
And that relationship protects you from things inside yourself and outside yourself. Mm. You know, I tell people that scientists have uh, clocked the speed of light at 186,000 miles per second. Mm. Now that's, and that means when it hits something, it's going to move. That's a lot of power coming at you. So when you think, I don't know any scientist, and I've challenged anyone to find one who has measured the speed of thought. Do you know how Ooh. quick you can change? You know how quick you can change your mind. Ooh. And I say this, I say it facetiously, but I think there's some wisdom in it. Most of us need to look both ways before we cross our mind, because we can, get, <laughs> we can easily get Fast. hit by a thought. You know, so oh, that's deep right there. Hold on, you got to say that again. That needs to be a that needs to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> say that again for us. We should look both ways before we cross our mind. <laughs> you know, and and, mm. it, and it comes from uh, my own experience. When 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 my when my mother and my grandmother and I and I have a memorization span that goes back. So I was three years old. And that's one of the, the qualifications of being imam. You must have good memorization skills. This is a gift, you know? And um, when I was three, and I remember people, places, and things, and colors, and all of that, my mother and my grandmother were showing me how to cross the street because there was a store directly across the street from my house. And I was standing between them, and each one had a hand, and I had my left hand and my grandmother's hand and my mother was on the right side of me. And my mother said, Jory, when you cross the street, you make sure that the light is red and then you can go across the street. And I was looking at her, I heard everything she said. And then my grandmother kind of pulled on my hand and she said, Jory, hmm. you watch the lights, but you watch the cars too. The mm. lights never killed anybody. The cars mm -hmm. is what would run over you. And what she mm -hmm. was telling me is just because the light turned red doesn't mean that a car is going to stop at the light. And you Period. might, you might, you, you've seen people go through red lights before, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. You might I even have. Done it yourself inadvertently because sometimes yes. when the yellow <laughs> comes on and it says slow down, people speed up. Yes. That's the fact. You know what I'm saying? So we need to look at the realities uh, when, you, when you're giving people information. Make sure you, you inform them fully. And that's why I tell people, you need to look both ways before you cross your mind because you got to drink the problem because you got to think the problem. You're, you mm. got to dress the problem because you got to think the problem. You think you're more appealing to me because you come outside naked you know what? I'm ashamed for you. I'm your brother. I'm, I could have been your husband. I am, I am your brother before I'm any of that. But I'm ashamed for you. See, any shame is put into the soul to let us know that something is wrong. It's like pain is to the body. If your head oh. wasn't hurting you, if your head wasn't hurting you, you would have never went to the doctor and found out that you were diabetic. 
or that you have high blood hypertension. So the pain to the body is that you know that something is wrong. Shame mm-hmm. is to the soul. It's that you know that something is morally going on wrong. Now you hear people say, ain't no shame in my game. If somebody doesn't feel ashamed of something that they're doing wrong, there's something wrong with that person. They've deadened the part of them that they need. They're ignoring something that needs to be attended to. That's not Mm. how you get well. That's not Mm. how you get well. You keep on ignoring that and the blood vessel is going to burst. You can't Mm. ignore that. So when people engage in shameful acts as if nothing is wrong, you know that they're suffering from a spiritual malady. Mm. This sister out there with tattoos all on her anatomy. She got so much pushed out that the baby's climbing up out the strollers thinking it's feed up time. And you think that that's attractive to me? I think a lot of uh, women too, you know, more mature women do need to spend more time with the, uh, the younger women as well though. I do feel like a step was missed, um, you know, I think uh, in my experience, you know, because if it wasn't for my granny, you know what I mean? I probably wouldn't have the little basics that I have, you know. Of course, so, and this is something that goes all the way back to slavery. When they brought us over here, they separated us. They separated the parents from the children. They separated the Muslims, the ones who, we didn't, Islam just didn't start over here. We came over here, some of us was Muslims. So they killed us. They got rid of, if you didn't, they wanted to have control over us. So we got taken away from parents and they sold your mother and your father out and they reared you their way. So this has been a separation that has occurred for centuries. And so it's not odd that we find this mothering disappearing because children are having children. So they don't know the basics. And so Mm -hmm. you come up with a a generic, if you will, artificial sense of who you are and how you are supposed to conduct yourself. And we need to understand this. This is the the root of behavior. What you know Mm -hmm. or what you don't know. Let me give you an example because I'm very practical. Let's say you like oranges. Do you like oranges? Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Now, let's say you see a good Florida, I'm in Florida. So you see a good Florida sun-kissed orange and just looking at it makes you salivate. You can just imagine the sweetness of it. And so instead of you getting a knife and slicing it or peeling it, you take it and put it above your, your mouth and just squeeze it, expecting orange juice to come out. But instead, mustard comes out. Oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. That's a problem. But here's the point I'm making. You never know what something is made of until the squeeze is put on. See? Mm. You know, you know when you mm. find out who you really are is when you don't get what you want. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, do you, yeah. oh man, I, or you're in traffic and it's long, you beat on the stern wheel, or you're getting into the line behind somebody in the grocery store, they got a whole basket full of stuff, you got one thing, I can't, man, I get a, you know, hey, hey, this is an opportunity <laughs> to be patient, to change your perception. This is an opportunity to be patient. This isn't something happening to you. This is something happening for you, but you don't see it that way. And so we need to understand what needs to be changed at what time so that we don't lose our peace. Ooh, because ooh. peace is so important. It really is. And it's a fight to have that too. That's what I'm noticing over life and time is that peace is it's not easy like you really have to work for that it's not a and, given and, and here's the thing you say easy and it, it leads me to think this the more difficult a thing is to acquire the more value is placed upon it always know hmm. diamonds well, thank are going you. To cost, <laughs> diamonds is going to cost more than just any stone you pick up off the ground because it's harder to get them they have to form for thousands of years, plus the pressure of the earth and excavated and cut <laughs> and all of that. You know, a, a, PhD, a PhD degree is harder to get than a GED, right? Mm-hmm. But a, G, a person with a GED can teach some, uh, something to someone with a PhD. You know, Correct. it depends on who has the knowledge at that particular time. But difficulty mm-hmm. is something that, you know, if, if a woman makes herself easy to a man, we're going to put it in the perspective of cleanliness and, 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 and social hygiene, if you will, spiritual hygiene. She make herself easy to get to a man. And she got these clothes on. She got to dress up to a navel. She got this hanging out, that hanging out, hula hoop earrings on, all this stuff, and blonde hair, long eyelashes, and all of this stuff. And, <laughs> Do you really think that I think that that's the one I want for myself? I mean, for a sex object, but the one who comes up that dresses not so tight that it's showing her anatomy, but it's, it's fitting, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's everything is one, the way she's displaying herself and dress she's not making herself easy to get it's more difficult to see what's underneath of that that's the one you want so the more difficult a thing is to acquire the more value is placed upon it this girl is looking like she on the red light district and I want to marry her I really want her to be the mother of my children she, she's protecting oh, you say my mommy integrity. too, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I, can I really think she's protecting my integrity when I'm not around? She's not even protecting her own. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Be, be intelligent, be sensible. Uh-oh, wait a minute. You said something right there. You said, how can you expect her to, to be a real to woman her. to you yeah. if she's not even being a real woman to herself? That's the point. Mm-hmm. You can't give me what you don't have. I'm sorry. 
if you came to me and you said, um, um, I need you to be patient with me, but I'm an impatient person. How can I be patient with you? I don't have what you need. I need you to show me how to do this. I don't know how to do it. I don't have what you need. But if I have the knowledge and I have the wisdom and I have the patience and I have the peace and I have the sincerity and I have the truthfulness and I have the willingness and the obedience and I have the love and I have all of those things incorporated and orchestrate themselves in my character, that's melodic right there. That's going to attract somebody. You listening, ladies? You listening, ladies out here? Because it's mostly, I have mostly lady listeners and just a few males. So I'm glad that you are elaborating as a man. Yeah, it's about character. It's it's not about that, about clothes. And, 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 no, a, a child can take their clothes off. Anybody Uh-oh. can undress. But can Uh-oh. you dress? Can you dress? <laughs> you said a child can take that. <laughs> sure, you put your shirt back on, boy. What's wrong with you? Put them pants on. What are you doing? You know, just ch- they just being children. And here you are. Uh, allegedly a mature person and you get naked in the street mm. and it's because somebody created your values for you sister we love you you are a queen we know what's underneath your clothes we don't need to see them in public and it's not <laughs> for everybody to see it's not well, for everybody to see well one of the words that I've noticed like for myself queen for me does not fit and I've heard different people say but I feel like there's no queen about this journey that I've been on like I've 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 legitimately you know changed the name of my business to you know we started with Red Bottom Studios and then I had to just go to the shark management because I, I, after, I've been out there swimming with the sharks like it's been no love <laughs> I mean I'm grateful but it's, it hasn't been a queen's journey so I, I, I maybe when I get older I'll get to honorary say that but right now I use the word affectionately and, and, I, and, and to give the woman status and, and that's my reason for saying it the word for queen in Arabic is Malika Malika Malika. Okay. Malika means king. Malika. <laughs> Malika. Malika means queen. So I'm using it for, in okay. that context. But let me say something. Let me say this. I think it's very important that you understand the root of where words come from, etymology. Now, if I was in an academic arena and the professor said to me, um, student uh, Jory Kareem, what is the uh, meaning of woman? And I would say, woman means the female gender of the homo sapiens species. And I would get an A. He would say, absolutely correct. Now, here's Arabic. The word for woman is Nisa. 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 And men is insan. They both come from the word, uh, <clears throat> from a verb. And 
they mean the property for forgetfulness, like Adam and Eve had. We have the property to forget. See, the war is between remembering and forgetting, but you can't remember what you don't know. First mm. of all, you got to have <laughs> You got to have some experience. <laughs> yeah, you can't you gotta, know everything. That's why we tell yeah. people, if you've only been on this earth 10 years, 11 years, 12, you cannot know everything. There is no way right. that a teenager, like, I don't know why I thought, you know what I'm, but this one more thing before you, I thought once I got a certain age, I was going to know everything. I, that's right. one of the biggest tricks with life that I feel like I got played on because I just thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to have an answer to everything. I was going to handle stuff like my granny handled stuff. It seemed right. like she handled everything appropriately at a certain age with no phase and I thought that it was I'm definitely not her age yet so maybe by the time I get you know her age I will have gained enough knowledge and experience to um, <laughs> display some of those characteristics that she did so effortlessly because I think about 14 kids with one bathroom you know I yeah. think about stuff like that how you know eating together you know how you know just and when I got a chance to go back to the Midwest, it got back to old school, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, being out here in the West Coast, I noticed that's not something that is, well, maybe, well, in my experience, it hasn't been something that's regulated or I've seen, whereas back, you know, in smaller areas, it's more family-oriented, more um, teamwork is the dream work, you know, where out here, I think it's more, you know, get in where you fit in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Family, it don't matter. Just, you, whatever. You get it or you will be without. And don't ask. <laughs> I want to I wanna bring two scenarios up uh, linguistically to define the woman again. In Arabic, Nisa, those who Nisa. make men forget. Nisa, and, and there's a whole surah in the Quran, the, the fourth surah chapter in the Quran is called Nisa. It talks about women. But the meaning is those who make men forget. Now remember, I'm in school. So those who make men forget, well, what do you mean? It just doesn't give you the title in Arabic. It shows you the nature of the woman. Mm. And what it explains to you is that the woman innately, innately means characteristics that you have acquired before birth something that's genetically programmed mm. into women because you are the first people that we come in contact with all babies come through the wombs of women so mm. you have within you the wherewithal to help us keep clean to show us love etc etc and so the woman has within her that innate ability to create an atmosphere that's stimulating, warm, and pleasant. And let me show you this in practical terms. Let's say Whoa. your husband is at work and he calls home. He said, I took the tow motor and tore everything down at work. I had a flat tire. I got a ticket. I am so, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, he's just all out of sorts and he calls home. So you say, uh-oh. Let me go put on some jazz or uh, get his bath water run or put it, you know, he likes seafood. I'm going to fix him some fish. And you're getting prepared for when he comes in the door. 
You say, honey, I'm running you some bath water. He's sitting down, you rubbing his shoulders. Before long, he he feeling okay. You know how to do that. You know how to do that. You can make him forget about some things that are disheartening or disgruntling to him. You have that ability, just like you pick up a child and say, shh, stop crying. You know, that's <laughs> built into you. You know how to do that if you in tune to your true nature. Now, the other part of that is you can forget, make him forget about what he should be remembering by taking hmm. off your clothes and walking down the street half naked. You can Uh-oh. make him run into the back of a car because he didn't forgot he was sitting in the seat of responsibility and looking Uh-oh. at you, he didn't had an accident. Or Uh-oh. he didn't forgot he got a wife at home and start oh, chasing you. Snap. So that, oh, there's a duality <laughs> to this forgetfulness. So the thing is, for the woman, don't forget who you are. Hmm. But first of all, you have to know who you are in order to. You can't forget something that you don't know. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. You can't forget. Yeah, you can't because you don't know. You You have an experience. You have have an experience. And you use the word like grandma's experience and knowledge. That culminates into wisdom. Wisdom is a combination of knowledge and experience. Oh, okay. That's what wisdom and knowledge, knowledge and experience, experience. used correctly. Used correctly. Mm. Ooh, used wait, correctly. wait. Knowledge and experience used, used correctly. correctly. It's wisdom. And Adam, mm. we call it hikma. When, you, when a person hikma. named Hakim, Hakim is one who is wise. Hakima, a woman who is wise. It comes from the word hikma. Mm. So wow. there you have it. Now, I'm going to give you another uh, example of how if you are true to your nature, there's nothing that's going to take you outside of that. I'm, I don't know if you've ever been to the circus or not. Have you ever been to yes. a circus? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now, if you can remember, there probably were throngs of people there and they were uh, very happy and excited and delighted. And let's look at the big cat cage. You probably had some lions in there that if they was in their natural habitat, they'd be ferociously hunting and killing and a tiger in there, the same thing. And they got this mm-hmm. man in there that's making them jump up on a stool or, or jump up on the elephant's back or do, and it's all because of stimuli and response. He's been with these cats since they were kittens or cubs and he mm-hmm. feeds them. And, and then he gets them indoctrinated by little taps on the, on the stool and they do what they tell them. And then when they all finish, Barnum Bailey goes away with truckloads of money. You know, the people go home excited, entertained and thrilled and the cats go back in their cage into the next show. I guess when they get too old to perform, they just let them back out into the wild or, or kill them. But they, they have no more use to them. And guess what? If they go back at in the wild, they can't hunt because they don't forget. They're not ready. They're yeah. gonna come and look for the for that man to feed them again. Mm, you know, mm, mm. because that's how they were taken away. But there's one cat that you will never ever see in that cage. 
and it's a jaguar, a black jaguar. Sometimes they call it a panther, but the jaguar will never be in that cage because they say it's too dangerous, it's too untrainable, it's too unpredictable. Because just when, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> just when you think it's going to do what you trained it to do, it won't do Uh-oh. it. Watch so out what it's telling you is what it's telling you is leave me alone. I'm not here to entertain you. Mm. I'm not here to jump through hoops. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to feed me. I can mm-hmm. feed myself. I'm very capable of doing that. And mm-hmm. if you corner me, I will attack. Uh oh. And out of all the cats, my bite force is the greatest. I don't you have me doing some research on the black jag as soon as we get off the. <laughs> on, on the jaguar. I don't uh-huh. have to grab your throat. I can crush your whole head. So they don't bother with them. Now, when you bring this over to a human level, there's some men that Malcolm X, dangerous. He ain't never bombed no churches up. He ain't never killed nobody. Dangerous. Mm -hmm. Even Martin Luther King, generals of land, dangerous, subversive. You see what I'm saying? Because you can't train some people because we know who we are. The Muslims, dangerous, terrorists. Yeah, you hear that. (laughs) You hear that all the time. Yeah. A lady said to me, I was at a church, and she said, I, I, we were talking about Islamophobia. She said, I get so nervous when I see those women come down covered up. I said, sister, I get nervous when I see them women come down the street half naked. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So what are you scared of? You're scared of something the media has has made you see and believe. You don't know those people. Those people aren't bothering you. They're being obedient and respectful of themselves. But you feel comfortable around somebody that's got this hanging out and that uncovered and this and that. That's scary to me. I'm scared for them. I'm not scared of them. I'm scared for them. So these are the the ways we've been taught to perceive by media influence and those who have uh, an alternative motive and objective. But, you know, people who love peace and modesty and cleanliness, I love them. I don't care what color they are, what country they're from. I've been to Mecca four different times. And all the millions of people. I saw people there that was blue, black, purple, black, and all the colors in between. Paper bag, brown, yellow, red, clay red. And they were all together. And it Hmm. amazed me because I saw some people who, I mean, they were black as night with emerald green eyes. And I, I and I said, look at God's handiwork. Mm-hmm. You know, but over here oh you get God. religion, religion, race separates you. You go fill out an application. What race are you? I put down a human race. What race? Hmm. You belong to the Martian race, the human race. Everything except what religion are you? What class are you? What gender are you? 
what all of this is about separatism and then you want to talk about integration so i i i just don't um i look at at why things work and why they don't work and and if i see something that isn't working properly i try to find out what it is that we can do to get it to work in the way it's supposed to work and as the human family we certainly weren't supposed to be dominating and oppressing each other by way yeah, of religion uh-huh. or not. My, my wife called the shots in the house and I ain't no jump for saying that. She the boss in the Period. house. Period. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. She called the shot. I get the dough. And if she chooses to go get some dough because that's what she chooses to do, alhamdulillah. But that ain't a huh, job. Alhamdulillah. Huh? <laughs> all praise yes. to God. But that ain't a uh-huh. job because I'm going to get some money. And I'm gonna take nice. care of my But if she wanna go out and be a therapist and that's what she does, she went to college for that, alhamdulillah. You know, just, hmm. just 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 let me know where you are in case you need me so I know how to get to you. I ain't trying, you that's know, right. I, that's that's it. You know, so you know, but in the house she called a shot and everybody know that. Teamwork makes the dream work. At the end of the day, you know, a household is a business from what I'm understanding too. It's like, you know, because it has to be, you know, leadership with that. And there's something else you said about broadcasting I wanted to add. I was, you know, I went to school and did all this uh, broadcasting, but I recently discovered that all these, okay, when I have my, I set up my props and my stage and whatnot for what I want people to see when I am live. So I'm like, all these years I've been watching TV thinking that these people were as natural as me uh, going through these experiences when that's not true. They have a team of people behind them. They have scripts. They've been, you know, it's just, it's just, it's baffling from watching the Cosby show to watching anything, you know what I mean? Just, you know, that it, it was a whole, it's a, it's a setup. And, and that's kind of like how I see, you know, different aspects, you know, with the world, but, you know, I, I try not, I'm not, I don't want to get too political, you know, on this specific uh, podcast, but you know, it, it's, it's a setup, like, you know, and, and, and once a person understands that, I think it makes it easier and you know I just a little bit you know just like the Kim Kardashians and stuff you know we as women we look and you know we see that but uh, it's a whole team it's a whole team to create those facades you know not to say the facades are bad or good but you know it, it just it takes more so I'm glad that you mentioned that about you know um, <laughs> exposure to the media you know. But see, as an intellectual and intelligent person, part of what your responsibility is to expose lies. And and so for me, when we talked about light, I talked about it in terms of the, the, the phenomenon of the, the speed of light. But in spiritual language, light symbolizes knowledge. When one is brilliant, one is radiant, one is enlightened, light is symbolic of knowledge. And so when you shed light on certain things, people begin to see it. Even if you x-ray it, then you can see the inside of your body on the Mm x-ray. So if you have intense enlightenment, 
you can expose some things that people never saw before. For instance, let me give you an example. I'm always, I've, I've, I've been gifted with a discriminating type of mind, like most children, and it never has left me. That's the childlike feature that I adore and I'm so grateful to have. I want to know who, what, when, where, how. Now, I remember being very young and some adult said, I haven't had a headache in six months now. Let me knock on wood. So I'm saying, what you knocking on wood for? Because you haven't got a headache. And the best thing they could come up with was, it's just a superstition. So you know what my next question was. What's the superstition? Oh, something you need to believe in. Something that, that gives you good luck. And now I wonder, what's luck? You know, and I was just inquisitive. So none of it really satisfied my curiosity. But when I got older and I began to study the root of behavior, what I understood, the root of this behavior comes from it has a historical aspect to it. People have believed that gods have been different things. We worship stones, phallus symbols, stars, rivers, water, elephants, you name it. During the time of the Celtics, people used to believe that because trees lived so long, that they were gods inside of them. So let's say a man and his wife were expecting a child. He wanted it to be a male child so the male child could carry his name as opposed to a female who would get married and carry the name of her husband. So he would go to the tree, knock on the tree and say, oh God, let my wife give forth a male child so this child can carry on my name. I guess he was somewhat disappointed if she gave forth a female child, but that's where it came from, that they believed they worshiped trees. Now, as you see somebody knock on the wood or table, that's a byproduct of the tree. It is an act of worship that they have borrowed and called it a superstition. And really, it is just that. We don't believe in superstitions as Muslims. There's only one God. He created mm -hmm. trees. He is not a tree. But some <laughs> people still do it today. And I said, what are you knocking on wood for? That had, what does the wood have to do with anything? I try to get them to look at their thinking. Why don't you knock on plastic? Why don't you knock on steel? Why don't you knock on rubber? Have you ever thought about it? <laughs> no, you just do it because you saw your grandmother do it, her mother mm -hmm. do it, and we, sometimes we get acculturated into some traditions that have been contaminated mm -hmm. with uh, worshiping God in a way that he shouldn't be worshiped. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And that's uh, I learned with uh, when we did the interview with uh, Musikin that uh, religion is following someone else's experience where spirituality is dealing with my own. Well, my take on that is, you know, I'm a spiritual being having a human human experience. Now, we have a heat in our body at 98.6. Now, if you went outside and it was almost 99 degrees, you'd be saying, it's warm out, it's hot out here today. But you sitting on this phone like I am, I'm cool as a cucumber, but I got a mm -hmm. furnace going on the side of my body. Now, I don't have a plug, 
leading from my behind into the wall and I don't have no batteries in me, it's coming from somewhere. And any first grade scientists know that where there's heat and energy, there's something, a force, that's causing that to happen. For heat like that just doesn't happen, it's caused to happen. And so spirits are created out of fire. Angels are created mm. out, out, out of light, out of mm. light. And mm. so we have this in our body. If you ever touched a person who had deceased, they stay warm for a little bit, then they get cold because mm -hmm. the, the spirit has gone. So I'm a mm -hmm. spiritual being and I can't ignore my, if I got educated physically, if I went to physical ed and I went to academic arenas and learned about conjugating verbs and all that. So I'm academically inclined, I'm physically inclined, but I have no spiritual uh, 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 adeptness. I'm not spirit. I can be a thief. I have no, because you have to educate the mind, the body, and the spirit or else hmm. you're not even worthy of being called education. Ooh, and if you look at our society, they've taken the God out of school, they've done mm -hmm. all of this kind of stuff, and then what you're seeing is more and more ungodliness. And they call it degenerate, they call it generations get better. I'm saying it's degenerating. Mm -hmm. they, like for instance, I don't remember one time in my community where a young person took a gun and put it in their mouth and blowed their brains out or was cutting mm -hmm. themselves. Now it's common with young mm -hmm. people. But the studies are showing that although there's the invention of the telephone and you can go on your telephone and find anything out today, we had to go to the library. We mm -hmm. had to get a library That's card. A if, you <laughs> if you say two and two is four, I want to know how you got to that answer. So you use your mind to solve problems. We made stuff with our hands. We played dodgeball, stickball, baseball, box, swam, tree houses, snow houses. My first sled was some cardboard that I threw down on the snow and, and slid on that. So we made stuff, you know? And so we learned how to resolve things. Now, when an emotional or psychological problem occurs, they don't know how to handle it. Because you can't go to the phone and figure that out. Yeah, you can't. That's not a phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not the it, it doesn't yeah. fit. Yeah, it and that's why, fit. you know, I, yeah, I, you know, I've talked to other educators on here as well. And I know that it is not the job of the teachers to do these extra things with these kids. But at times, it's definitely, you know, we need to do a little bit more for these uh, young people, you know. I, so I'm, I'm making a commitment, you know, with Shark Management that we, you know, invest more because, you know, they don't have time to teach about uh, checkbooks and, and, you know, real life experiences. What do you do if your car breaks and you got to pay your rent and you need to pay your car payment? I mean, how do you know? Like if you, you know, and... So hopefully, you know, I can be a part of, you know, some more well, knowledge being given. Let me say this, because I think people underestimate the position of a teacher. Um, everybody needs a teacher. 
and you have to be taught correctly. And so I told you I graduated from um, John Hopkins University and my thing was to show teachers how to teach because one of the things that I was introduced to in, in graduate school was my professor, she said, imagine you go into a restaurant and you're hungry. I mean, you ready to eat the paint off the wall. You are famished, but the the menus are in Russian or Urdu. Oh no. And so you ah. sitting there, stomach growling. Can't figure it out, you can, yeah. You, can, you can't do it until you get, somebody comes along that really speaks that they can get your knees met for you, but you can't mm -hmm. do it. So that's the attitude that you go into a classroom with as a teacher. Don't you ever forget that, that you're helping somebody get their needs met. And the other thing that I tell all the teachers that I, I was getting prepared to go into that, that, that world is that if, let's say if you have a, a person in the classroom and you've been in the eight parts of speech for nouns, pronouns, verbs, et cetera, et cetera, for two weeks. And then you say, we have a quiz. And little Johnny been sitting in the back of the class. He, he failed the test. So mm -hmm. I'm saying, wait a minute. I know I taught him this. He was there for two weeks. And I can't say you dumb, you stupid. I'm thinking that I have failed to teach. Let me see what I need to adjust. So I'm gonna tell him, move your seat closer to the front of the class. Because guess what? Johnny's not dumb. He couldn't see what I had written on the board. He needs hmm. glasses. Mm-hmm. So the responsibility of the teacher is on me, okay? I'm the professional here. I'm the one with the knowledge. Don't ever go away thinking somebody can't learn. You have to say, am I teaching or am I failing to teach? That's the attitude of a meritorious teacher. If not, you're looking for those other people who don't know how to read the menu to feed themselves. And that is totally abject what you should be doing. Mm, mm, mm. So let me ask you this. This is my last question because this is a big one. We talked okay. about so much and I have so I have gained so much information. What would the title of our conversation be? Because <laughs> I'm the, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I think the uh the purity of information. Okay. Uh, the purification of information. Because we have to look at, you know, um, the wisdom to know the difference between what is and what is not. You know, and again, as we talked about in our conversation, if you don't know that you don't know, then you don't know. <laughs> but, that, but but to raise my hand and say I don't know if I came to you and I said sister um, I have to go to uh, Tennessee Knoxville because my buddy that I was in Vietnam with his wife called me and said he's in the hospital and he's contracted pneumonotromicroscopic silicone volcanic kinesis 
Now, everything that I've said probably puts a picture in your mind. Tennessee, Knoxville, Vietnam, wife, hospital. But when it gets to pneumonotra, microscopic, silicobal, candy, candiosis, your mind probably goes <laughs> blank. Because yeah, you, don't have, you, you don't have high definition on, on your screen to bring that into focus. But now when I tell you that pneumonotra, microscopic, silicobal, candy, candiosis means a lung disorder it's it's a pulmonary thing pneumo is the prefix when it's pneumo it's usually lung related pulmonary related and this is something that you contract from being around volcanic ash or coal mine dust so you worked in the coal mines and 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 so now when i say the word pneumonotra microscopic silicobal candy candiosis you get a picture that goes with the word so words sure give to the mind. So words give pictures to the mind. So we have to be very careful about what words that we get associated with, because sometimes they can be unclear or they can be unhealthy. And we have to have the wisdom to know the difference. And that's how you can purify your knowledge. You can purify your habits. You can purify your social intercourse, you can purify your family life. It's all about purification. So again, to answer your question, I think the title of this conversation would be Purification of Information. Well, that's what it is going to be. (laughs) Well, I tell you, you know, I really appreciate your time and this has been very enlightening. Is there anything else you'd like to share in the last five minutes? Uh, before I suit this up and, and send it right over to you so you can hear. <laughs> I, I think the last and, and, and thing that I would say is, is, is definitely Quranic in front of Quran. Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, glory be to him most high, says in the Quran that we should reverence the wounds that bore us. Reverence the wounds that bore us. And it's speaking directly to women, Nisa, because that is the status that women have. We place them at such a high status. They are the wounds from which all mankind come from. And so we should reverence them. And so we love you and we love to see you demonstrate who you truly are because Allah has given you such high status in this humanity that we live in this in this human world that we live in and guess what the man can't get up without the woman going up with him and vice versa so we need each other we have to respect the rights that we have over each other a woman have rights over the man the man has rights over the women. The children have rights over the parents. And all of those mm-hmm. rights have to be known and respected. Mm-hmm. And this is my message, I think, in closing. Because you said you had a large uh, woman listening audience. Mm-hmm. I would say to your sister, you know, love yourself. Know, know yourself. Love yourself. And don't let your enemies teach you who you are. Don't let your enemies what? Don't let your enemies 
teach you who you are. You know, Satan, Satan is quite alluring. He can hide out in the open. He is your open enemy. You can be looking right at him and think he's your friend. Uh-oh, watch out there now. Watch out. Smiling and everything, huh? Yeah, yeah. Buying you groceries, all kinds of yeah. stuff. Really you taking go, you to the store. Off. Take, oh, take, take this off. Some, some French designer says, uh, take off your clothes because this is the vogue. You see how it can come? Hmm. It'll be okay. We're just going to do it real quick. <laughs> yeah, real, real quick. It's, it's all right. It's, it's fine. Hmm. You know? And so, you know, just beware of who you are and beware of who you Everybody that, everything that exists has a predator. Ooh. And I, you know, everything. That's deep right there. And, and I Satan. He mm, mm, mm. lies in wait for us to take us Man. away from what God has commanded of us. Be aware of that. And that mm, knowledge stay ready. That knowledge will beautify you. Mm. It will beautify you. Amen. Now what part of Florida are you guys based out of? I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida. I left Baltimore 22 years ago. I got married, I came down here in the winter time, and it was freezing cold up in Baltimore. And I got down in the airport and I had to undress. I got off, it was hot. And then I got off, my wife took me down to the ocean and people down there swimming. And I said, oh no, I'm not going back up there. And I never left, I'm done. Amen. So, See, yeah, praise God there. for wives. Praise yeah, God for yeah. wives. See, look, there I she was, she nurtured you. She brought you in to a comfort place instead. <laughs> well, let me give you, let me, let me give you, I gotta tell you this real quick. I never saw my wife until the day I married her. I never, you know, we never dated. We never done none of that. I met her through uh, her sister and we talked on the phone. Pregnant woman, around the block uh, a few times. I know a diamond from a zircon. Uh-oh, watch out there now. Yeah, and, and she was giving me who she was, and I saw who she was, not what she looked like, her body. And so I came down and, and I got married to her. And But before that, I always prayed to Allah. I'd never been married before. Allah. In my prayer, I would say, oh Allah, bestow upon me a wife. Who is a cooling to the eye? Meaning, I want to. I like what her to be pleasing to yes. my eye. But, Amen. I also want, but but even more than that, I want her to be pious, meaning morally conscious. So my prayer mm. was always, Oh Lord, bestow upon me a wife who is a cooling to the eye and pious. And lo and behold, when I went to Maria, my Wally took me to. She was in Columbia, Maryland at her sister's house. And we already set up to go to the mosque and get married. Never saw this mm. like. Mm -hmm. And trust me, I had been in nightclub business. So I've been around beautiful women. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. So when I walked mm -hmm. up to the door to get her, to take her to the mosque to marry her, her sister opened the door. She stood behind the door. And I saw this figure coming towards me, but she was walking backwards. 
She had the hip jab on she was, she was covered up. She wasn't slowing Get it, girl. Get it, girl. And when she came to the door, she took the hip jab off and showed me. I, have you ever seen Fred Sanford when he grabbed his chest like this? Yes. Yes. It's another one, Elizabeth. Oh, my goodness. The beauty just astounded me. And all I could say was, come on, man, step on it. Let's go. You know, because... <laughs> I knew that Allah had answered mm, my prayer. Allah. Mm. And I've never, and we've been married ever since. And now, and she was twice as beautiful on the inside. Mm, mm, mm. Hey, so with I that said, you're going to have to do a prayer for us. Come on, you have to do a yeah, prayer yeah. for all of the ladies on the line because the, that's a miracle love story. So pray us out however you do it, and that'll be that. How about that? Okay. Because that was too I'll good. That was too good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to all the single like, ladies. <laughs> there, there are 114 sort of chapters in the Quran, and some of the uh, scholars say that if Allah had only revealed this one sort that I'm getting ready to recite for you in both Arabic and English, it would have been sufficient enough for the entirety of mankind. That's how potent it is. So listen to mm. me, and I'll say and I'll say it to you in both Arabic and English, so that you can understand what I'm saying. Thank you. We seek refuge in you from the rejected enemy, Satan. And what I said was, with the name of Allah, most merciful, most gracious, by the token of time and through the ages, truly man is lost, except those who have faith do deeds of righteousness and enjoin in the mutual teachings of truth, constancy, and patience. These words of Allah are true. That is Surah Asura, Asura 103 in the Quran that I just recited for you. And so remember, it's telling you what to do with the time you've been given because sometimes we spend our time unwisely. You know, you look mm -hmm. at you, you involved in a dope opera or a soap opera, or you involved in undressing yourself. You involved in in a bunch of stuff that's non-productive and not conducive to your growth and development as a spiritual being having a human experience. Take your time and use it wisely. That can benefit mm. you because you're going somewhere. This is just mm -hmm. a temporary place. You're going somewhere. Mm. We we believe in the accurate, the hereafter. So when you get there and you ask what you did with your time and all you were doing is sitting in front of television and chasing uh -oh. uh -oh. uh -oh. uh -oh. Don't so, hurt nobody's feelings now. Don't hurt their no, feelings. I'm no, 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 huh. listen, listen. Sometimes the truth has to be told whether it's bitter, whether it's bitter or sweet because it's good for you. It's good for you. If I didn't love you, if I didn't love you, 
I tell you a lie. Hmm. Period. Period. Well, we appreciate you, and you know you are always welcome to, you know, uh, update us anytime. I will uh, get this right over to you, and we just appreciate you very, very much. And this has been purification of information with our magnificent guest today, and we thank you again. I thank you so much for having me. Allah bless you and, and may you seek refuge in Allah from the evil inclinations of your own souls and the outer actions of your own deeds. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace of God be with you. Sister, and thank you again for inviting me. Hmm, thank you so much. All right. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. sir good afternoon how are you <laughs> very well thank you so much for your time again thank you thank you thank you you're welcome well can you please introduce uh yourself again please to our audience so Okay, my name is Imam Jory Kareem, and I am a, a, a student and, and minister, if you will, in Al-Islam, and uh, I've been doing this uh, for a very long time, and I reside in West Palm Beach, Florida, and um, I... Um, I'm a graduate of uh, John Hopkins University, and I'm a teacher, and, I, and uh, here I am. <laughs> well, being having your hands full uh, with so many different areas, do you have a favorite area that is? like your passion or is everything your passion that you're involved in? I think that the most impressive thing that has occurred in my life was my exposure to teachers because they allowed me to see things that I couldn't see before. And it was likened to coming out of the dark into lightness. So I think that out of all the things that I have wanted to do was to be able to do what somebody did for me. And that was what drew me into the field of education. So to answer your question in short, I like teaching, but what I do know is that in order to be a good teacher, you have to learn to listen and then you can be able to teach once you have done that yes I believe we did discuss that as you said at the last conversation there were four components and listening was the last one but the most important exactly okay yes yes okay so being able to learn so you have to have an open mind 
to be able to receive and then you study and then you add to what you have studied exactly it's sort of, it's sort of, if you can remember and I, I think it might I, I hopefully it was the same way when you went to school when you learned how to read it was also you got graded on comprehension because sometimes mm-hmm. you can just read the words and they don't give an idea that comes into your mind so you're reading the words and you're verbalizing but you're not getting a picture of what these words are drawing for you. So words should be mm-hmm. anything to give picture to your mind. So, you know, comprehension, yes, you, it should add and add and add to your understanding. So the more you have a an accumulated vocabulary, it's like children. You know, they start out with dad, dad, mama, this, and before you know it, they talk. And they understand what they're talking about. So it's, it's, it's gradation, gradually, you can add on. But to your point, in a, in a generic explanation, it's sort of like a radio listening and selective openness to impinging sensory phenomena. And, and that's academic jargon. But, but the reason it's so important, if you can uh, compare this like unto a radio dial, and you want to get 98.6 because you like jazz, but when you put it, on there, it's mixed up with 98.7. So you don't have a clear signal coming in because you have distortion. Mm-hmm. And so in listening, mm-hmm. you want to filter out all the distortion. And let's say um, I'm in a classroom and a teacher is teaching me the eight parts of speech. Nouns, pronouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, prepositions, conjunctions, and interjections for a whole week. But the whole week I've been in there all these pigtails because I really don't hear what he's saying. I'm being distracted. So what what's going past my ear is not going in my ear. So you have to remove Ooh. all distractions. You have to focus in <laughs> and filter out the rest so you can receive what's coming in. It's the same way you do with a signal coming from a tower to a radio you got to get a clear signal clear signal Mm -hmm. okay wow so i like filtering out the distortion Mm -hmm. to remove distractions to focus and is that kind of reminds me a little bit about what we talked about about um, um, information, the purification of information, if it's uh, contaminated, I believe you were saying something like that. Mm-hmm. That um, that could be a distraction. Well, most definitely, it's not... it's, it's... okay. Yeah, it's most definitely <laughs> it's going to be a distraction because it's going to take away. A distraction, just for purposes of conversation, is anything, anyone, or any place that diverts you from your primary purpose. So my primary purpose was going to the store and coming back home. But in going to the store, I I saw this bar and I went in there and before you know it, three hours had passed and I got home Mm. late. You see, 
distracting me from my primary purpose. You know, just like I was saying about the, the, I went to school to learn. I didn't go in there to start chasing girls. So what what happens is if you get distracted from your primary purpose, when I go to a job, I don't go in there to bite the britches off the boss. I go in there and do my job and come home. If I go in a hospital, I don't go in there to fall in love with the nurse, although she may be beautiful. <laughs> you know, I go in there to get well and out. Mm-hmm. When I go to jail, even if I any institution, institution of labor, institution of learning, penal institution, I don't go in there to, to, to be chasing men or be chased by men. I go in there to do my time, learn my lesson, get out. That's it. So if I get distracted in any of those purposes, it's because my real attention got diverted to somebody, something, or someplace else. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Distracted from primary person, a thing, place, or person. Okay. Well, I can definitely understand how teaching and uh, being a student um, can be a very uh, attractive, but challenging at times as well do you feel well, like it can I, be a sometimes yeah I, I think as we spoke last time we talked about the difference in, in a talent and a gift you know mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. are gifted and I, and I gave you the example of Malik Al-Shabazz he didn't go past the 8th grade I also gave you the example of Prophet Muhammad wasallam, peace and blessings be upon him who was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. So the gift that seemed to have the most impact, not to say that people who are talented haven't had an impact. Certainly people who have some academic or intellectual prowess have helped us in understanding the world that we live in to a greater degree. But that wasn't necessarily because they were gifted. And then you have some children like uh, who are gifted pianists. You know, they, they mm. just like like uh, Stevie Wonder. He was gifted. He didn't go to Juilliard. So I think that it can be challenging for people who are challenged to. Um, open up to information information may be and some people are dyslexic they see things backwards they see the F the backwards they see the T upside down so that's a challenge and then some people are prone to distractions it's hard for them to pay attention so I think the challenge is if you if you you can't divide if you haven't listened how to add you add, subtract, multiply, oh. divide. Yes. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So you have to go through the process and don't get ahead of yourself and just learn how to do that. Then the next step is it's like martial art. You come in with a white belt and you get a brown belt and you get a green belt, you know, then you get a a black belt and then you got degrees of the black belt but first you gotta learn how to tie the belt hmm. mm. Ooh. 
to the basics. The basics. The basics you know, first. And, and I'm a proponent of basics because as much as I can appreciate um, inventions that uh, and technological advancement, I do find that studies are uh, indicative of the fact that, let's say, these phones that we have now allow us to have access to a plethora of information without having to put forth any work except look in the phone. Now, coming up, years ago, we had to go to the library, we had to look for the book, we had to do this, we had to put some work in. And so we were instrumental in solving the problem. The problem just wasn't solved for us. So when you take mm-hmm. a part in doing the work that mm. helps get to the answer, that's just like if you talk, if I said, what's two and two? And you say four. And I say, show me how you got to that answer. Now you got to do some work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. Well, we definitely appreciate um, what he was mentioning about having to do the work and um, I've heard that before in different arenas so 